Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first uh, episode of the Rabid Weasel podcast. Uh, we decided that there weren't enough podcasts in the world, so uh, we decided <laughs> to make our own, I guess, was the idea here. Um, yeah, I guess we should start off by introducing ourselves before we jump into the the movie of the, uh, the episode here. My name is Jared. I'm a big big movie nerd in general i guess but especially horror movies uh cult films uh exploitation films um i don't know what else the only other interesting thing about me is i'm currently an english teacher in taiwan i moved here a few months ago and uh so that's the reason i haven't really updated anything in a while but now we're trying to get the rabid weasel thing up and going uh, i'm joined today by two people uh, my brother Justin and my sister-in-law Mia. I guess we'll start with you, Mia. Can you uh, introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, I guess kind of your experience with horror movies. Sure. So I'm Mia. Hello, everyone. And um, so I'm kind of new, I guess, to the horror genre. Uh, I like Jared. Also, I'm a big nerd, um, but my uh, background and experience and things that I've dabbled with more have been like anime and a little bit different with like k-pop and korean stuff and so that's about as much as my experience my background is in emergency management and office safety coordinator and i'm from texas so from texas do you remember real quick mia um what was the f do you know the first horror movie like real serious scary movie you ever saw do you remember oh my gosh so for me now, taking into consideration that I was really young, it was for me, <laughs> the scariest thing that I saw was a commercial. Well, I also saw the movie, but it was the commercial for Chucky. Okay. Was, Ooh, well, yeah. Child's Play, when it was first being introduced, it was like so terrifying to me because take an adamant object that I would love like a doll and it was, you know, trying to kill you. Yeah, well, we will definitely have to get to uh, child's play sooner or later. But uh, <laughs> before we ramble on too long, let's go over to my brother Justin. Justin, how are you doing? Can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Um, I was going to say too, when you were listing your favorites, um, the one that I think you left out—at least I didn't hear—it was Kaiju's uh, and Godzilla. Um, I guess it's not technically horror. I guess it's a different genre, but. Uh, I was disappointed not to hear you use kaijus as part of your description. Oh, yeah. I plan on covering, um, let's see, the Criterion uh, collection actually just put out all the, the original run of the Godzilla movie. So I'm going to, uh, we should uh, to take that task on at some point. Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but yeah, well, Godzilla's a big one. Godzilla's one of my first loves. Yeah. yeah. When you were asking me about her first horror movies, I was thinking, you know, us watching Godzilla at uh, Myrtle Beach is as early mm -hmm. as a horror movie as I can remember. Yeah. And I think that was actually uh, Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. It may not have been the first one we saw, but I remember that one. That's a weird movie. One of the weirdest ones. Where... Yeah, that's, that's a pretty weird movie for a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am uh, Justin Bullock. Um, let's see. Um, I an early fan of Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, a lot of different animated um, medium. I now watch a lot of uh, adult animate. I'm a big fan of uh, South Park and uh, Rick and Morty and Family Guy. A lot of my uh, work has a sci-fi bent to it these days. So I've been having a lot of fun kind of diving back into the science fiction um, uh, literature. And one of the reasons I'm excited to talk about Reanimator today is it has some real cool along with the horror elements some really interesting sci-fi elements uh, about how the mind works and telepathy and mind control and so i'm excited to <laughs> talk about those things um my day job is uh i'm a professor at texas a&m university of public policy and public administration i do work on um, artificial intelligence uh, policy and space policy uh, kind of my two things that i'm most interested in now and um, a long time enjoy, uh, enjoyer of horror, um, mostly because I have Jared. I don't think the horror industry was something that I would have gotten into given the way we grew up without his insistence on how awesome it was. So um, my love of horror, I think, comes from you. So thanks for sharing that with me. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I gave you much of an option. It's like, look, <laughs> if we're going to be friends, um, you got to watch this stuff with me. So <laughs> That's actually how we bonded as adults, right? Was when we lived yeah, together yeah. and watching movies together. So That's right. That's right. Yeah. So um, I think you just gave it away. But uh, our, first, uh, our first movie today is Reanimator. So um, let's see here. Reanimator. Goodness, where do we even start with Reanimator? Okay, first, I guess I should say, uh, well, back up a little bit the idea of the podcast is mostly to talk about horror movies although i do eventually want to get into um maybe some other subject matter maybe we can get into video games books there's all kinds of stuff but we're going to be talking about horror movies um maybe i should give a uh, listener advisory what are they viewer discretion <laughs> we are going to be, yeah yeah we are going to be dealing with uh rated r movies hard r movies these uh, oftentimes uh, not always, you know, we're going to look at some older stuff too, but uh, we're not going to be afraid to uh, look at some of the more edgy stuff. Um, so if that's something that'll upset you, you have been warned. <laughs> uh, also, uh, we will be getting into spoiler territory, but uh, we're going to try and avoid that at first and we will let you know when we get to it. So with that, um, let me do a little bit of introduction here on Reanimator. Pull up my notes. Uh, so Reanimator is based off of a story by H.P. Lovecraft uh, called Herbert West Reanimator. Uh, it was released in six parts over the course of half a year back in 1922 in a publication called Homebrew. Uh, I would love to get my hands on a copy of that. Um, <laughs> So it follows, let's see here, the director is Stuart Gordon. Uh, it was produced by Brian Usna. It was actually both of their first movie, not the first movie, they, first movie they made together, uh, the first movie either of them ever made. Um, it was the first of a trilogy of movies they made. The next one was From Beyond, which may be even more of a classic than this one, and Dolls, which I think is underappreciated. Um, a funny little note, they also co-wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No way. I didn't yeah. see that. That's really cool. Mia, have yeah, you ever seen Honey, cool. I Shrunk the Kids? Oh my God, I love that movie. <laughs> okay. I haven't seen that in probably 20 years, but uh, now now I really want to rewatch it knowing that uh, they worked on it after this. But um, <laughs> So let's see here. Stuart Gordon, the director, he had a, uh, an, he unfortunately passed away not too long ago, but he had a, seems like an obsession with H.P. Lovecraft. He did a lot of adaptations. Uh, from Beyond, which you already mentioned. He did Dagon, which was a good movie. Uh, a Masters of Horror episode called Dreams in the Witch House, which I haven't seen yet, but I want to get to. Uh, the movie stars Jeffrey Combs. He does a wonderful job as uh, Herbert West. Bruce oh, yeah. Abbott as Dan, uh, who is sort of suckered in uh, helping out Jeffrey Combs. Uh, Barbara Crampton as Megan, Dan's long-suffering girlfriend. And David Gale as Dr. Carl Hill. The movie was released in 1985, and I was thinking about it. This was an incredible year for zombie movies. Uh, George Romero's Day of the Dead came out that year. Return of the Living Dead, probably my favorite movie of all time, came out that year. Demons, the Italian production, came out that year. So 1985 along with Reanimator, great year for zombies. But um, So we'll start off with I guess Mia, had you ever seen this movie before? Was it your first time? It was my first time seeing it. Um, it was, I had a lot of fun watching it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. A lot of stuff I was kind of like, oh no, I know what he's going to do. Or that's yeah. a, like a fun thing to do. Like, um, I don't know if I could go into it, but one of the parts where he's sick, like one of the, the head is kind of, um, can't stand up right on its own and oh, so yeah. there's like this, <laughs> this pick that he just picks up and stands it on and I was just like I could have predicted that's what he was gonna do because that's what I would have done if I was in that <laughs> weird situation <laughs> yeah this well before I go on Justin was this was your first time too right this is my first time like um watching it to sit and watch it I think I said to you I think I, we had watched it once before uh, maybe at the house, kind of a late evening, maybe over a couple of drinks and chatting. So there were some scenes that I did remember, um, but uh, I think it was more towards the first half. Um, so I had seen parts of it before, but did not recall kind of how it all played out in the end. Yeah, I was thinking this was probably, we, we probably first 
tried to watch it back in the college days, and so maybe there was a, a few adult beverages, and uh, maybe we two. didn't make it through. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a, just a couple of beers, a um, couple dozen maybe. But uh, at that so, time, it could have been a couple dozen for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, your general impression. This was your first time seeing the whole movie through. Uh, yeah, just your general impression. What'd you think? So I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, as I alluded to earlier, I really like the sci-fi elements and we'll get into some maybe concerns with some of how that played out from your review that I want to go back to at some point as well. Um, but uh, so it was creepy and it was scary at moments and I laughed and I kind of like sat on the edge of my seat uh, kind of as Mia was saying, like sometimes you knew something was coming, but you knew that thing was going to be horrible. And they did a really good job of building up the tension. The other thing that Mia and I both noticed, um, so we commented, I commented on, I think early on in the movie, the musical score really does a fantastic job kind of building up the, uh, the tension as some of this stuff is about to happen. And there are a couple of scenes that I know we'll get to, and I won't say now because we're in the pre- um, uh, pre-spoilers thank you pre-spoilers um, in academia we don't have spoilers we just throw it all out there so right, I'm, right. I'm learning the language um, but there are a couple of scenes um, that were were pretty uh, pretty wild so I'm looking forward to that I think are like ingrained in my memory now um, that I'm looking forward to talking about and um, I actually thought it was like a pretty like to Mia's point earlier, sometimes you watch horror movies and you're like, okay, no one would ever do that. And this is so unrealistic. <laughs> and, but here they have like the college institutional factors kind of playing in, pushing on the scientists and the Dean is like responding to uh, some profit incentives. And then you have the scientist who really wants to be famous. And so the way the story lays out, I also thought it was like a kind of a believable story if you buy the premise of what's going on and you don't always get that in a horror film yeah well you know what strangely what it reminds me of is and let me explain uh breaking bad the tv show mm. and the reason why is because you start off with people who maybe they're making bad decisions but you kind of understand their motives and yeah. things just keep getting further and further out of control and you but you kind of keep understanding why they're doing what they're doing but it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse yeah uh the entire time and i like that because I, like it what's what i liked about it is like the human emotion in all these situations like the characters aren't um stupid uh in, in this movie i don't think it's responding to reasonable pressures but to your point it just kind of gets worse and worse and worse and uh in that way it plays out kind of like a, a nice science fiction dystopian right like things just kind of it gets worse and worse and worse all the way to i'm sure we'll talk about the ending of the movie as well because we'll get here in a little bit but yeah. uh, the way it builds is uh is to your point it's it feels like it's spiraling and in the in the the way it's shot and stuff it, it does a nice job of dragging you in like it almost feels inevitable throughout the movie you're like yep this is we're all just we're all just fucked <laughs> you know? well, i think it does um so first, let me say, I saw this movie, the zombie genre was one of the first genres that I really became obsessed with. And anytime you Google top 10 zombie movies, Reanimator is going to be on that list. So I had seen this movie when I was probably 15, 16. And then I didn't see it again up until recently when I decided to write about it. And I was glad to see it really held up. I think the, uh, the effects are very impressive, still very yeah, impressive. I agree with that. Um, yeah, the the effects are great. It's it has that perfect blend. This is my kind of movie because it has a perfect blend of true horror, but also it's really funny and how absurd it is in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. I mean, it's um, dark. It's dark at points. You got to get you got to get comfortable with dark humor, which we are both fans of. Yeah. Um, but if you can get if you can get comfortable with the dark humor, there are some really hilarious. Uh, I agree. There are some hilarious moments. Yeah, some very <laughs> we'll, we'll hilariously cringy moments. <laughs> yeah, well, it's some legitimately shocking stuff too. I think mm -hmm. you know I've seen all kinds of. Uh, there's some moments in here that we'll get to 
that still make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely uncomfortable uh, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially there's one scene in particular, but uh, we'll get there. Um, before we really, I guess, get into the plot of the movie, um, have either of you ever read much H.P. Lovecraft? No, I have not. I have not either. Although I, we've seen, I think Cabin in the Woods was another film the three of us maybe watched together that was built on some H.P. Uh, Lovecraft uh, symbology. Yeah, yeah. But I have not actually ever read any H.P. Lovecraft. Okay, well, that's kind of another subject. But H.P. Lovecraft is worth checking out. He, uh, uh, he's one of the most important uh, horror fiction authors of all time, I think. But this movie really goes in a very different direction. Um, it starts off kind of the same. You know, you have two college students working together one of them's kind of obsessed and drags the other one along and there's some uh themes and elements that are taken from the book but uh the movie really does go in a different uh direction but i guess we can start kind of get started on the plot here if, if anybody has anything else to say before we get started on the start can I ask one question before we move on to the specifics of the movie just because i your depth of horror knowledge is so much more than mine, but I'm, as I mentioned earlier to Jared, I've been thinking about science fiction related to some of my research lately. And one of the things that I've noticed is I've been delving into kind of utopian and dystopian science fiction stuff. Horror seems to be really neglected, even among like people who take science fiction seriously. Like there's some science fiction, like dystopias and some science fiction utopia but horror doesn't really get its fair shake, at least from what I can tell in some of these com uh, conversations, conversations we've had over the years. Mm -hmm. So before we delve into a specific, I was wondering as kind of the big picture, always kind of having the philosophical in mind, why do you think that is Jared, as we start kind of doing a horror podcast together, I think this was so useful to help me think about some of the challenges of science and technology, for example, yeah. it plays out a, a scenario that we all want to avoid. <laughs> um, so why does horror get the short shift, do you think, Jared? Yeah, that's, that's something I spent a lot of time thinking about. Um, first of all, I think it's a lot better now than it used to be. Um, you know, at this time, so we said this movie was 1985. These, these types of movies were seen as basically just pornography. You know, they were heavily censored. Uh, it was a people were getting arrested for making these kinds of movies so i'm exactly why does it get people upset well i think it's maybe because it the whole point is to look at the worst things you know that's what's good about the horror genre is you can look at the most unpleasant parts of reality and the most unpleasant um parts of life and part of the point of a horror movie is to oftentimes push the limits and make you uncomfortable and I think a lot of people don't want to be made uncomfortable. <laughs> um, plus, yeah, so the combination of looking at uh, controversial thoughts and a lot of these these filmmakers, this one is a good example, kind of had a sick sense of humor. So mm -hmm. I think that's part of it. I, I'm not sure if I answered that. No, that's well. great. Yeah. That's one thing as we continue to do these, I, I'd like to take the subject of uh, horror and as I mentioned, you particularly some of the science fiction elements and kind of talk about them as well as part of the specific movies. So that would be fun for me as well. We move forward. Yeah, but uh, I, so I think we're doing a lot better now. I mean, uh, who, who was it? Jordan Peele is getting a lot of respect. There's a lot of big horror movies that people are starting to recognize. Uh, historically, whenever uh, a horror movie would get some attention from critics, they wouldn't call it a horror movie. You know, they call it, this isn't a horror movie. Silence of the Lambs won, a, I think, won an Oscar. It's not a horror movie. It's a, it's a thriller. It's a suspense <laughs> film. Well, it's a movie about, a, um, you know, a guy who skins people alive, and there's another guy who's a cannibal. It's a horror movie, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, what else can we say about this movie? Oh, I guess we can talk a little bit about um, sort of its contributions to the zombie genre as a whole. Um, this was an early example of the fast zombies. Most zombies up until this point had been the kind of slow, lumbering, George Romero style. Um, and this movie and Return of the Living Dead, which I already said came out the same year, both had zombies that were more uh, science fiction based and they were fast. Um, 
So in this movie, it's not just in, in the Romero films. It's always like we don't know what's causing the zombies. We don't know where they're coming from, and they're slow. And this one in Return of the Living Dead, it's it's a, a chemical, right? So it's something that humans have created that's causing mm -hmm. this problem. And the zombies are are much more intimidating because they're very very fast and very strong. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, should we get started kind of working our way through the, the plot? Yeah, let's do away with this yeah, pre-spoiler stuff. I want to talk about some of these creepy scenes. <laughs> okay. So I guess now we should say, well, before we go into spoiler alert, would you guys recommend this movie? I think you both seem to have enjoyed it to some extent. Yes, I would definitely recommend this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. 100%. And anyone that's interested in a horror a good story, special effects, science fiction. It has it. It has it all. I, I, I would strongly recommend. All right. Well, there you have it. Three recommendations. And of course I would. I, I picked this movie. So <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just start working our way through the plot. If you have something to say, just jump in. Um, okay, let's do it. So I think it starts off pretty strong, right? The, the movie begins with um, the header dr gruber uh has had a heart attack or something like that and we we see we hear screaming and everybody's trying to figure out what's going on and then we they break in the door and then there's west uh standing over dr gruber holding his syringe and gruber's face he comes alive and his face is just his veins are popping out and he's screaming and his eyes explode out of his head yeah. and dr west says they said, you've killed him. He goes, I didn't kill him. I gave him life. So, <laughs> uh, you already first, know what kind of movie you're getting into. Yeah, that's a, that was going to be exactly what I said. This first scene really kind of tells you where the story's going. It like shows its hand, right? Like from this for, part forward, you know that West is going to go to this other town once he arrives and do the same thing. Like People are going to die and he's going to try to bring them back to life and it's just going to go wrong over and over and over again. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. Sh like they show their hands at the beginning. Like, here's what's coming, and it's gonna mm. be awful. <laughs> yeah, and right away you see how impressive the special effects are. Like I just mentioned, I think they still really hold up. It, it's not just oh his face is gray or his face is green. I mean, his veins are bulging out of his face, and his eyeballs explode, and there's blood going <laughs> everywhere. So yeah. it's not a movie that holds back at all. And that's the beginning. <laughs> yep, yep. Welcome. So, yeah. So, Dr. West, uh, I still don't know how he didn't get in trouble for that. I mean, I guess, <laughs> hey, I gave him life. And everyone's like, okay, we'll just go back to America and we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, Pre-internet days. Pre-internet days. Yeah, yeah. Just just go back to America. And later on, he's asked, hey, why, why did you leave Switzerland? He's like, um... I couldn't learn anything else there. Okay, no more <laughs> questions. Uh, so then we go to um, Herbert West is at his new school, Miskatonic University, where he very quickly meets Dr. Hill, who turns out to be the main antagonist of the film. Uh, and those two are pitted against each other right away. We see that Herbert West is a very, I guess you would call him very arrogant, very smug, very intelligent and maybe lacking social skills. Is that a good way to describe Herbert West? Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because he meets his new professor. You know, he's being introduced to everybody. He's like, hmm, yes, nice to meet you. I think your work, I think you're a, you're a plagiarist and your work is- It's all derivative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in front of the dean too. Just yeah, like, yeah. hi, nice to meet you. I have no respect for you at all. So <laughs> the conflict between them has started right away. Mm -hmm. um pretty soon after that we get to um dan is with megan at the uh they're having a meeting for talking about grants so we're with the dean who is megan's dad and dr hill is there and this is the first time we start to see dr hill's he's kind of obsessed with megan isn't he and that to me is one of the creepiest parts of this entire movie did you yeah, guys catch he, that the first time you watched it, the way he's just staring at her? And... Oh, yeah. I think the toast definitely gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like, pining look towards her. Yeah. It, it was kind of very creepy. 
Yeah, the first couple times I watched it, I didn't realize it. I thought he was acting weird, but I didn't realize he's just staring at her throughout the entire dinner scene. He's yeah. just staring and like he can't stop looking at her. And then Mia, like you said, it gets to the toast scene. And what does he say? Like, here's to your beauty who enthralls all who meet you. I'm like, dude, his yeah, his, his uh her 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 dad's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The so, toast scene was where I really I didn't notice it at, like I with you, I saw some like long looks maybe, but I didn't notice anything until he like made that toast and then it went like very creepy uh, all all at once for me. It was like, oof. Yeah, so now we see we have the conflict between West and Hill. That's established. Then we have that Hill, he seems like a polite guy, seems like a nice guy, but he's kind of creepy towards this young college lady. Uh, but then we move forward a little bit. Uh, the Weir's Rufus scene. <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Um, so Dan, he's, uh, or actually, let's see here. At this point, Megan's over at Dan's, dot Herbert West Dan's. He's like, hey, you want a roommate? I'll move in. And this also has one of my favorite little <laughs> Herbert West moments where he's just so dismissive of everybody when he comes in. He's like, hmm, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> just not paying attention to anybody. <laughs> uh, so he moves in, they set up a lab in the basement. No one knows what he's doing. But then one night they start to wonder, where's Rufus the cat? Um, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So right away we're breaking one of the main rules of horror movies, which is you can kill all the people you want, but you don't kill people's pets. You, you don't kill pets. We don't want to see that. That makes us upset. And they kill Rufus three times. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> It's not enough to kill the cat. You have to kill him three times. So they wake up in the middle of the night and they're screaming and Dan goes downstairs. Oh, no, actually first. Um, they're wondering, Rufus, where's Rufus? And they go in Dan's room, excuse me, in West's room, and they see poor dead Rufus is in the refrigerator. Just then Herbert comes in. Wes comes in, he goes, I was going to tell you the game to a fight. And you have one of the best lines in the whole movie. Um, what was I supposed to do? Leave a note that said cat dead details later? <laughs> I love that. Cat dead details later is great. Yeah. And I believe that's what you ended your review with too, right? That was your, uh, that was your favorite yeah. quote from, the, from this one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the most famous quotes from the movie. Cat dead details later. What was I supposed to say? And <laughs> I don't think it's never really explained if West actually killed the cat. I think it's implied that he killed the cat, but he pretty quickly comes up with an excuse if he didn't, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's implied that he killed him. That, that was my takeaway. Uh, there's a little bit of wiggle room. Like, it's like they, they set this up nice. Like, would he kill the cat? Would he not kill the cat? Leaves it a little bit uncertain. It doesn't remain uncertain, I think, as we move forward, whether or not he would kill a cat. <laughs> he definitely killed Rufus. Yeah. Uh, at the by the end of the movie, you're like, okay, he's killing. He killed the cat, right? <laughs> but at, at this point, we're still thinking, okay, maybe not. He's a weird guy. Maybe he's not a cat killer, but he's a weird guy. But anyways, he comes with an excuse. Um, sorry, I was going to tell you. Then, then in the middle of the night, we hear scream, horrific screaming. <laughs> Dan goes down into the basement, and this I think is where the humor really starts to come in. Because as the lights swaying back and forth in this dark basement, they're screaming and you hear a horrific cat, cat howling, right? And as someone who's worked a lot with animals, that's pretty similar to what an angry cat is really like. <laughs> mm. um, so they don't even know, well, Dan doesn't even know what's going on down there. He just knows there's something attacking West. And so they get a baseball bat <laughs> and they destroy the entire lab trying to kill this angry cat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I thought that was great. When he jumps out of bed, too, Dan jumps out of bed, and of course he's he's, he's shirtless, showing off his nice physique, and he grabs the baseball bat that just like happens to be sitting by his door and <laughs> runs in. And they're just like swinging everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like I said, they destroy the entire lab, and finally they kill it. And he's like, "Rufus, it's Rufus." And he says, yeah, I brought him back to life. And no, you didn't. He wasn't really dead. But basically, this is how Dan finds out what Herbert West is really up to. And this leads into one of the most uncomfortable parts of the movies, I think, um, to prove that West has uh, developed this to 
bring the dead back to life, he reanimates this already mutilated cat. And you see this poor thing just in a pan kind of twitching. I don't know about you two, but that's one of the worst parts of the whole movie to me, seeing that poor cat. No, it was definitely up there in the cringe factor of, I mean, I'm a cat lover, just like Jared, and it's just it's very cringy to see that cat with the inside you know to see it be reanimated again after it's already been killed twice it's pretty horrific uh yeah just this uh, horrible horrible thing to see this cat but it's also a pretty good effect isn't it i mean you know what i was what i was gonna say jared that it reminded me of from sort of the intensity of seeing a cat harmed is the i don't know if you saw it on netflix but there was a interesting documentary you're you know you're saying like one of the rules from horror movies is you know don't kill pets and there's a it's kind of popular on netflix recently that was don't fuck with cats and it's oh, like the, yeah, the rule of the internet is to don't fuck with cats mm-hmm. and then there's this whole story that plays out about this person that tortures cats um and uh, it's really uh, the, the documentary is really unsettling um seeing uh, cats uh, they don't show you all of the torturing, but you know what's coming. Um, and so, yeah, seeing the seeing the cat uh, brought back to life after being completely mutilated was disturbing. However, I think it was the most disturbing point at this point in the movie, but it does get more <laughs> disturbing, at least to me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we're, we're getting there. So that documentary, Justin, just proves my point. People say, why do you watch horror movies? Because real life is too scary. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right so poor rufus has been killed three times now i think we're finally done torturing rufus what comes next well dan probably not his smartest move he tries to go to the dean and say look we've discovered this thing herbert west he's he's found a way to reanimate the dead it's it's miraculous the dean being a fairly conservative individual or maybe just being sane i don't know uh says <laughs> you're both basically kicked out of school well herbert west is kicked out of school you need to write an apology letter to me i might press charges and i'm getting rid of your loans so the dean does not respond well to this <laughs> uh, understandable so what do dan and herbert uh, west do well they sneak into the morgue <laughs> to start their experiments they double uh, down <laughs> yeah i don't know if- I don't know if we mentioned they're they're not just their higher level um, medical students. So in addition to finishing up their studies, they're also working in the hospital. So this is how they get access to the hospital morgue. They sneak Herbert in. Uh, they reanimate a man in the morgue. And can I say here, this is just one of those little touches. It's not enough to be attacked by a zombie. It has to be a naked zombie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how many naked zombies are there in this movie? Uh, 20? Several of of them. Yeah. And isn't it hard to defend yourself against, like, anything, like a naked zombie? I was telling Justin while we were watching this movie. Like, what do you hold on to other than, like, the hair to try to, like, pull? I mean, you know, sometimes you've got, like, clothes and stuff that you can push, but, you know, skin can be slippery and, you know, it's really interesting and a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'm not sure if we've actually mentioned now, although people have probably figured it out. Um, the problem, even though Dr. West has created this uh, th- this drug that he injects that can bring people back to life, it does work, yes, but their uh, their brain is essentially gone. They're just violent animals, right? So <laughs> that's the problem here. But they decide to go into the morgue, and they find a good specimen, a good fresh specimen, and they reanimate him. Of course, he is instantly violent. Surprise, but, at this point. surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this is the first time they've reanimated a person, but he comes back. He's very violent. So they get into a fight, and just at that time, the dean comes in. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, the dean's like, I knew they were – I told them not to let those, those kids in here. Um, the dean ends up getting killed by the zombie. They managed to kill the zombie, but now the dean's dead. So what does Herbert decide? Hey, a fresh specimen. <laughs> <laughs> so he reanimates the dean. The, the dean does the exact same thing. He's very violent, at which point all the officials come in. And West, being the quick-thinking man he is, says, 
uh, the dean snapped. He came in and he attacked us. He's gone crazy. And there's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief here. I'm not sure why everybody keeps just going with Herbert West's explanations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But somehow they believe, okay, the dean has just suddenly gone crazy and he attacked that corpse over there. <laughs> um, so now the dean is locked away in a mental, mental institution. And then Dr. Hill is the one who uh, is sort of evaluating the dean, right? Mm-hmm. And he starts to become suspicious of what's going on. So he... Uh, I guess kind of puts it together. And one night he confronts uh, Herbert West in his lab and he says, you and I both know that man is dead. And he essentially blackmails West, right? Mm-hmm. He says, you're going to give me all your research and it all now belongs to me. We had already established that Hill is basically a plagiarist. He might be respected, but he's not above stealing from others. So he goes in to steal West's work, and how does West respond? Do you two remember? What does he do to <laughs> What does he do to Doctor Hill? Well, uh, he kills him. <laughs> not only kills him, he decapitates him yeah. with a shovel. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he has Doctor Hill's like over that microscope, and it's like Mia, Mia, and I were like, "Uh oh, here it comes! Here it comes!" And Mia's like, "What is he gonna get? What is he gonna get?" And then he drags the shovel along (laughs) yeah and it wasn't enough to just hit him in the head a few times he has to chop his head off you know just to make sure the job is done i guess but once again herbert west being the always curious scientist has a bright idea (laughs) What, what does he say oh i've got it written down here he goes yes parts I've never done whole parts. <laughs> so he, uh, he does what Mitch, uh, Mia mentioned earlier. He takes the head, he puts it on a spike in a pan, he injects the body, and he injects the head, bringing Dr. Hill's decapitated form to life. And what is the first thing Dr. Hill says? West, you bastard. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh uh, yeah, that's that's a great and, line. Go and ahead, so Mia. far, he's the he's the only zombie that can like talk. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I it's never really explained what's different about Doctor Hill, but for some reason, maybe because of how evil he was, I don't know, he somehow um, maintains consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. and he can think and act rational. He's maybe even more evil than he was before. But yeah, for some reason. He is still um, a thinking creature, right? Uh, <laughs> well, I thought it had to do with freshness, um, yeah. but as you were describing this, it turns out you know Dean Halsey was um, was brought back to life fairly quickly as well, and he wasn't mm-hmm. able to maintain his faculties. Um, so this is actually a different kind of uh, ability that only Hill seems to have. Yeah, you're right. It, it's and it's never really explained why, but. Okay, we'll go with it. We we needed a villain, and he becomes a pretty good villain, I think. So oh we'll go with it. But at this point, I can't help but think: shouldn't West, being the genius he is, have thought to tie down the bodies? <laughs> You've been attacked three times by horribly violent things you brought back from the dead. This time, can't you tie down the body of the? <laughs> so uh, Doctor Hill learns from his lessons. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. We will see. (laughs) We will get there. We will get there. So, Dr. Hill, um, I'm surprised um, that Dr. Hill doesn't kill West here. But then again, I guess the movie hasn't gone on long enough. So, Dr. Hill knocks uh, West out. He runs off, carrying his head with him and all of West's work. Um, Soon after that, we learn that he has lobotomized the dean. And somehow, again, not really explained, it's kind of just written off in one bit of dialogue. Dr. Hill has learned to combine his lobotomy techniques with West's um, chemicals to control the dean. He now has perfect control over the dean. So he sends the dean after Megan while he, Dr. Hill, sneaks into the morgue. And in one of the greatest scenes in the movie, he's wearing like um, a mannequin head. Our medical diagram. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it's that. Just, <laughs> it's, it reminds me of 
Justin, you mentioned the Ninja Turtles earlier. Remember how they would always walk around in public with just a hat and a trench coat on and no one noticed they were a turtle? Um, yeah, so he managed to sneak by, which also this is partly the security guard um, is just more concerned with, I think he's reading a porno mag or something. Yeah. And can we take yeah. a moment to talk about how great that guy is? And I'm not sure what the actor's name is, but this whole movie, he's just perfect. He doesn't do much, but he is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He has great responses to like when when the shit is hitting the fan. He's like, oh, (laughs) like like break time, coffee time. (laughs) Yeah, he just wanders off with his porno mag. So, anyways, he was great. But so Doctor Hill, he's managed to sneak into the morgue. We wonder what he's doing, and he sent uh, the dean, the zombified, lobotomized, yeah, lobotomized, zombified dean after Megan. And here we get to a segment I'm going to call, Did They Go Too Far? And I know, Mia, you've got to leave pretty soon, right? Yeah, they do. Oh, so maybe we can get through this segment before you have to go. But um, sure. did they go too far? This is a scene, there were actually two cuts of this movie. Um, there was sort of a softer, more softer R version that took out a lot of the gore. Uh, and they took out this scene. Oh, boy. But it was in the version we watched. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'll just describe it. I did give a viewer discretion, right? <laughs> so Viewers yeah. beware. I think it's fair to remind viewers, particularly if the first time they're checking in, that the segment of did this go too far requires us to describe whether the situation <laughs> went too far, and then we're going to comment on it. Hey. So it's comfortable for you. Uh, I think everyone has been forewarned. So proceed. Yeah. Um. This is probably the most extreme part of the movie, and like I said, one uh, it was heavily censored for a while. So Dr. Hill, he gets uh, Megan in the lab, this young, pretty lady that we know he's obsessed with. He, he well, his head watches while his body uh, straps her down, tears off her clothes, and holds his own severed head and essentially molests her, right, with, with uh, his own head. And he tries to go down on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. One of the most controversial moments of the movie. Uh, Mia, let's turn it over to you. What do you think? Did this scene go too far? What was your reaction when you saw this? <laughs> well, I instinctively started cringing because yeah, the person yeah. that put her on the table was her dad. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so he's essentially like, molesting this poor young lady in front of her dad well you know he's a zombie now so i'm sure he has doesn't really care but um it was just like so cringeworthy because you know they they kind of like slowly you know push the head and then you know as a little bit of like a comical factor but not really um at the time i understand that you know that's what a, a lot of the horror movies a lot of the young ladies, you know, were naked. And so that's a big, some of the big parts of back then of what they, what they did in the movie. And so for me, it was really cringy to see this older man obsessed with this poor young girl that did nothing to him except exist. And now as a zombie of all the things yeah. that he could have been doing, he decided he was going to go ahead and outright molest her. And that was just kind of really cringy for me. Yeah, and it's not just that he's molesting her, and it's not just that he's a zombie. It's it's a, it's a severed head. He's like holding his own severed head doing it. So it's just multiple layers of ick, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and having yeah. her dad be the one, I mean, the, the real thing that I thought was just, I guess, icing on the cake of awfulness was that it was her father that was like, you know, hold, helping hold her down being forced to watch it's like this height of like what's more evil how could you more kind of demean and and whatever other word you want to use for it the former dean other than lobotomizing him turning him into a zombie and having you having him help you molest his daughter um that's just about as horrible i thought that i mean the scene was was disturbing as it played out but but i do think it's it sort of captures about as awful of a scene as you can imagine, given the context. Like they do a, they do a nice job of making it be 
just as horrendous as you can imagine without without killing Megan or without kind of um, letting it go to porno, um, which I guess it could have went a couple steps further that it that the movie stopped short of. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm actually kind of a speechless at the moment. <laughs> it's a pretty intense film. <laughs> well, it is a yeah, horror movie, right. and it's certainly a horrifying scene. I think we can say that. Uh, and let's let's take a moment to give Barbara Crampton some uh, respect for be willing to go through with that scene. Yeah. Exactly. So, but anyways, fortunately, before things get much further out of control, Herbert West comes to the rescue with Dan sneaking around in the background. Uh, for maybe the first time in the movie, we kind of like we kind of like Herbert West. He's actually acting like a hero. So they come in. West starts to spare, uh, spar off with Doctor Hill while Dan sneaks around the back to rescue Megan. Uh, and then maybe the greatest moment of the whole movie, uh, Doctor Hill says, "You have a plan. Well, I have a plan too." And suddenly, every dead body in the morgue <laughs> wakes up at once. Right? Yeah. I the first time I saw that it blew me away and from here on out the whole movie is just amazing we're in the last the final act now and I just think it's it's it does not slow down from here yeah no I um it generally it generally like I went uh, <laughs> like when all the when all the bodies pop up at once it's like oh shit is real now this is going to be this is going to be a serious challenge yeah, so unfortunately Mia had to leave us. She had uh, another engagement she had to get to, but Justin and I will finish out the rest of the movie here. Let's carry on, and All thanks right, for being Justin. with us, Mia. And I think she'll be joining us for future conversations as well. Um, so it's, and I think we should encourage her to. It's nice to have a, a, a woman's insight, too, on some of the horror issues uh, and some of the scenes. So I was glad you got her input on that before she had to leave us. Yeah, I, I wanted to see... Um, yeah, kind of a female per perspective on that. Cause, but anyways, here we are. So all the zombies have come up. And this is where, as much as I love it, this is where I think some of the problems in the movie, my only real problem is uh, we start off kind of hard science fiction. By the end of the movie, they kind of give up trying to explain things, I think. Yeah. And so it seems like, it's never explained, but it seems like Dr. Hill has almost psychic powers did you pick up on that or yeah yeah uh it seemed like it was telepathy and i think the um, when you read descriptions of the account telepathy is kind of the word so like before we talked kind of read the summary on wikipedia just to see what the standard interpretation of both that scene and the ending is that we'll get to as i keep alluding to <laughs> um but yeah the the common description of it is telepathy uh and uh well and the didn't the other zombies respond negatively as dr hill was being hit or fought with didn't they like show some of his pain or something or am i imagining that from something else yes yeah that comes up a little later um but mostly when the zombies come up the first time i saw it i didn't know if maybe he had given some sort of signal but it mm -hmm. definitely seems and in later movies, it's it's pretty much confirmed that he has psychic powers. But uh, yeah, it's not immediately clear at first. But they do kind of come awake and automatically go into like killing mode. But to yeah. your point, all the other, other than Doctor Hill and maybe Dean Halsey, now that he's been kind of lobotomized, all the other zombies that we've seen as they come to life go into attack mode. Right. So one way or another, Doctor Hill has control over these this small army of zombies in the morgue, and they go after. Um, go after our three protagonists. Now, so at first it seems like they're going to be overpowered by the zombies, but uh, something in the Dean's mind, he's finally seen enough suffering of his daughter. Um, finally, this is where he reaches yeah. his breaking point. <laughs> yeah, finally, he, he seems to, something seems to click. And so he decides he's gonna protect his daughter, some, something on an instinctual level. And so that tilts the balance between the protagonist and the zombies. So as everybody's fighting, uh, Wes screams, I told you I had a theory, overdose. And he pulls out two full syringes of his drug and injects them into Dr. Hill's body. And this is when things, they're already pretty crazy, but now they get really crazy. <laughs> uh, hey, quick, 
Can we talk about his drug for just a second? His little serum. Just I wanted to highlight in case people haven't seen it. Um, it's this like neon green. It's like the most like mad scientist looking serum. And maybe you can give some historical context, but it was like so clearly like evil green serum. I was cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we didn't do that at the beginning of the, uh, of the podcast here. Yeah, so the the drug itself, let's talk about that, is really cool. It is, as Justin just said, um, this gr- almost like a glow-in-the-dark neon green. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically just a big jar of glow sticks that he fills up and <laughs> injects some people to bring them back to life. And uh, actually, the DVD that I have of this movie—it's an old collector set—came with a syringe. No way! Glowing stuff. Yeah, I've still got yeah, it back cool. at the house. You um, have to take. A, you should take a picture, or have mom take a picture, and that way we could share it with the uh, with the audience, just so they can see that. That's kind of cool. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, and that's probably 20 years old, 15 years old. I know I've had it for maybe 15 years. But anyway, so the, the drug itself is very cool. It's this glow in the dark, bright green, super evil. You know, it reminds me of, it reminds me of uh, Ooze from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's always, I guess, just in the late 80s, sometime in the 80s, growing glowing green ooze could do anything you know it was like magic you need something crazy to happen just have a green ooze <laughs> so all the zombies are um, are attacking our protagonist here dean halsey his daughter's being kind of molested and almost raped in front of him but finally upon maybe death of all the protagonists he uh his animal instinct kicks in so uh dr west as you say um tries to overdose dr hill and uh how does that how does that play out man (laughs) well if the movie wasn't crazy enough with 10 naked zombies running around in a morgue attacking everybody uh dr hill's body because this overdose i guess explodes implodes collapses i don't know how to describe it but the most important part is his intestines leap out of his body <laughs> and they attack west like a cobra or not a cobra an anaconda yeah, anaconda's uh, better yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like a python they yeah. wrap around west and squeeze him apparently they're going to squeeze him to death so dan and megan make a run for it and before before west apparently dies he goes my work and he throws the bag to him Dan takes the time to get the bag, I guess. It's important to <laughs> so keep. So nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> so and then they run off. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, while they're trying to escape, a zombie chokes Megan. And before Dan can save her, she goes unconscious. They get her to a hospital room. Now, at this point, the entire hospital is in chaos. There's fires. There's zombies running around. There's police. There's people panicking. But they get Megan into a room. They fail to save her. And realizing that she is dead, Dan gets a look on his face, and you know what he's going to do. He gets the West's drug. He injects Megan with it. The screen fades to black, and the last thing we hear is Megan's scream. The end. What do you think about the ending? <laughs> nice final description, sir. Thank um, you. Thank you. So, I, I mean, this is why I like the narrative of this movie and why I think it's it's just such a good movie and why I wanted to highlight how horror doesn't get its due. This is like the perfect ending to the beginning. Um, we're at the beginning. Uh, Herbert West is reanimating his dead, his dead professor. Um, and it's a bad idea. The whole movie West is doing it and it's clearly a bad idea. Dan recognizes it's a bad idea, but then gets dragged into it and kind of the mania of it all. And then in his grief, just does the same, like the lesson isn't learned. And so I think that's kind of a, one, this is kind of a, of a great ending, but to, from an art perspective, I like that it's commentary is like, yeah, and then we just didn't, we didn't, look, we didn't learn anything. I mean, Dan, who was like a, seemed to know better, like had seen all this horror play out, just couldn't help himself in the end for doing it again. And you know it's going to go poorly. I, I haven't actually seen, I know this is a series, I have not seen the second or third. Um, based on some of the ways you've described some of the things at the tail end of this movie, I assume we uh, interact with some of these characters again. 
but um, yeah, I thought it was like a, a perfect end to a, a science horror movie about the dangers of using new technology without really understanding and with repeated evidence that humans are going to fuck it up when they use it anyways. Um, so it, uh, I thought it's beautiful. And as I, anyways, so I, I loved it. I loved the ending. I thought it was great. I thought it was true to its theme throughout. Yeah. Well, this movie is, um, we didn't mention it. I think it's pretty obvious though, to those who know the genre, this is sort of a, a send up to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. That's yep. definitely what H.P. Lovecraft had in mind. And Frankenstein's somewhat, some would say it's the first science fiction story ever. I, I don't know. I'll let someone who's a little more into oh, science fiction uh, go into I'd that. I'd love to but, hear people's thoughts on that. If like, what could some of the, uh, hold on a second. There we go. I'm also just so the audience knows my, Mia and I are in the same space. Uh, we just, looped in from different places and we have a Boston Terrier who's a puppy <laughs> and she requires lots of attention. Now Mia left our call because she had a, a day job meeting. And uh, so we are both on calls and the dog is running back and forth, but luckily there's no Dr. West here to uh, kidnap Quimmers. <laughs> so sorry about that delay there for just a second. Uh, okay. But anyways, back on topic. Yes, Frankenstein. Frankenstein um, was possibly the first science fiction. But one thing that Frankenstein uh, did that this movie shares, and this well, the story shares, is sort of a cynicism about science. Uh, Human beings uh, messing with forces that they shouldn't be messing with, or being reckless with science, having a sort of distrust for science, even you know kind of kind of the Jurassic Park syndrome like just because you could doesn't mean you should right yeah so well, it's I, w- I would say on this too if it uh to linger on this point for just a moment um I'm not sure how much of this you want to be uh also situated in our culture and situated in larger conversations but it's art and the thing I like about art is it reflects kind of all of our other kind of conversations about these things but what I really enjoy about <clears throat> Part of this conversation is this is my research is on artificial intelligence and how as we develop things that might be smarter than us or might have human-like characteristics, is that a bad idea? Is that something that we should just do, should not do? Should we not create machines that are more intelligent than us or um, create new technologies that we're not sure what the uh, uh, impact of them will be? And it's interesting within the community of researchers who look at this, you have people who fit into these kind of utopian and dystopian camps. You certainly have the people that are like, yeah, well, sure, technology uh, brings about some negative things, but clearly it's improving our well-being. And they give all these metrics that are accurate for improved well-being. And then you have the cynical people who are like, yeah, but look at what it's already taken away from us. I mean, look what technology and being on social media and staring at our phones has already done to depth of conversation and quality of interactions with people. And so they point to things that I think are equally valid about, look at all these ways that technology has, uh, not to mention things like eugenics and other issues that come along with some of these things, but, you know, and so I, I really like having a, I really enjoyed watching this movie, I guess, because despite some of its uh, breaking with its own internal logic once or twice, or maybe the evolution of zombies um, being quicker than, uh, than it should be. It really is interesting to me. I don't, I don't know. I mean, what's your sense of this as we dive into thinking about horror? I mean, maybe since you watch horror, you're, 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 you're in more in the cynical camp, but how, how do you think about these things? Oh boy. As far as let's, can you be a little more specific with that question? Well, just about, about our general relationship with kind of technology, I guess, and science. So are we generally headed, is science generally kind of leading us towards this better version of humans or is science, or is science leading us toward down this dystopian path that, uh, that we might see more of reality of the horror movies play out in real life? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know. I, I can say that if the purpose of some of these sci-fi and horror movies was to warn people, that's, that's worked out. I can tell you all the time, whenever somebody posts something about artificial intelligence on Facebook, someone inevitably goes, have these people seen Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, 
I'm not sure what the uh, the future holds as far as as far as that goes, but it it is interesting that people at least they think about this stuff because of of the movies and the stories. Same thing with Jurassic Park. I already mentioned is one that comes up a lot whenever they start talking about, hey, we now have the technology for cloning and revival, and people go, did you see Jurassic Park? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's hard it's hard to know what the uh, what the future holds, but uh, I think art is a way um, for us to kind of reflect on those issues, right? Yeah. And this movie, as crazy and zany as it was, also kind of serves that purpose. Well, I uh, it's it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you and uh, uh, kind of look at some of the darker aspects of art uh, from horror and not shy away from the controversial issues of it because. You know, the, the two things I mentioned earlier that I'm working on are AI and space. And we're trying to also art informs a lot of our notions about what's possible in space. Will humans go to space? What would happen if we did go to space? So I'm hope, hopeful that some of the horror we can look at is in the space domain too. But we can't, you know, at least from my perspective as someone who cares about how society responds to these things, I don't think we should blink at the scarier parts. We need to kind of look at them, face down what the most negative situation might be and then calculate our risks accordingly. You know, or we should also have the art that is pointing out the utopian versions and how things could be better. But horror plays a really nice role, I think, in giving us the the full picture of risk management that we need to think about as we're uh, as we're going down this science and technology path. Yeah, for sure. And there's a ton as we, um, I think we said we were going to plan on trying to do this once every maybe twice a month. Aim for that. I think twice a month. Yeah, let's start with um, twice a month, I think, is what I can commit to as much as you'd like to have me as a, uh, a discussant and a panelist. I think Mia would like to do two a month. So I don't know what our date is right now, Jared, but I can we can release this pretty soon and then record maybe two weeks from now um, if that works for you. Yeah, sounds good. Just a few more things before we go. Oh, speaking of sci-fi, man, there are so many good movies. We we need to get to we need to get to jurassic park we need to get to terminator we need to get to alien 2001 a space odyssey twilight zone uh yeah, yeah we can just go on that. yeah so yeah. the more sci-fi are... and uh that you want to do man the more I, I can i will be excited so we should do other versions of horror too because i know you like the broad genre but uh, yeah give me as much science fiction horror as you can because i've got to go through this stuff anyways to learn the full picture so let's do it together yeah. Well, just to wind down here with Reanimator. So, uh, oh goodness, I don't have the dates in front of me. I think it was 1990. There was a sequel, Bride of Reanimator. Uh, I hope to get to that one one day. Not as good as this movie, but still a good movie. And then, who? Probably in the early 2000s, they made another sequel. Um, Oh goodness, I'm forgetting the name, but they made another one, uh, and it was also pretty good. I was surprised after all those years. So one last thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I mentioned earlier that there was an alternate cut where they took out some of the gore and the more extreme parts. What they did to fill the time, they inserted some deleted scenes there, and one thing that I think was very interesting is there's a scene where we've learned that Herbert West has been injecting himself with his own serum. Interesting. That, yeah, which kind of um, changes the whole movie, doesn't it? Because now we start to understand or start to think that maybe West's insanity is brought on by this drug that he's been using. He says in the scene, I just, I use it so I don't have to sleep, you know. So the drug metaphor, pretty strong yeah. there. Interesting. But yeah, so I'm not sure if I'm glad I left that in or glad they took that out or not because I kind of like that Wes is just completely obsessed with his work. Yeah. And that That's drives him crazy. That way. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. It just kind of appeals to human insanity rather than it being modified by his serum. Mm -hmm. It also feels yeah. a little bit more honest, I think, because it, you can kind of picture that, right? Someone becoming obsessive over their work and, and, uh, and doubling down even when it becomes, I mean, they're, examples from history of this that we could talk about uh but you don't need the serum piece to your point yeah i think lots of people have um a lot of people know somebody who 
obsession is a problem for them, right? In one form or another, being obsessed, being a workaholic is not unheard of. So I think it's probably best they didn't include that scene because it sort of detracts from Wes just being an obsessed scientist, you know, having one motivation. But so, oh, that's about it, I think, for Reanimator. Any last, uh, any last words before we do next, Justin? Um, I encourage people to watch the film. I, I mean, you know, with the disclaimers that if uh, something that's going to disturb you, uh, we've tried to cover that, um, what that scene looked like. But <clears throat> for people uh, who that isn't too disturbing for, I really encourage them to watch this movie. Particularly if you're interested in any of the things we've been talking about, I really do think it 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 uh, is a good science fiction film as much as it is a good horror film. Um, and um, so, yeah, I really encourage people to watch it. I've really enjoyed uh, going through it with you, um, and I'm looking forward to the uh, to the next one. Yeah, so definitely watch this movie if you haven't seen it. One of the best zombie movies of all time. Go read the book. Read some H.P. Lovecraft if you get a chance. And with that, I guess we should say what we're planning on doing next. Um, yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, so this was actually Mia, who unfortunately had to leave us earlier. Uh, it was her suggestion. We're going to be watching 1979. I believe I got that right. 1979's Lucio Fulci film, Zombie. <laughs> uh, not intentionally doing all zombie movies, but uh, there you go. It's another classic and uh, <laughs> another pretty intense zombie film here. So that's what's coming up next, I guess. Let's see here. Other than that... Um, Pretty soon, I'm going to try and get together an actual uh, page. Right now, you can just go to, uh, on Facebook, Rabbit Weasel Reviews. That's where my page is. But soon, we hope to have an, an actual website together where we can put all the content. Uh, Justin, if they want to learn more about uh, your research and what you're doing, where can they uh, find some more about you? Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> so I do a couple of podcasts that are the main place to find them right now is either on Facebook or SoundCloud. There's Bush School Uncorked, which I do as part of my day job, uh, talk about interesting policy issues. There's Public Problems, um, which we have a Facebook page for that right now as well, and um, host a podcast there. Um, you can find me on the Bush School of Government and Public Service website, Texas A&M University. I'll be building out my own website here soon to host uh, all the different things I have going on. But yeah, you can go to Google Scholar and check me out. If you're interested in my academic research, you can find contact for me on the Bush School website. And uh, my podcasts are on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes. Again, those are Bush School Uncorked and Public Problems Podcast, where I believe we'll also be uh, posting some of the episodes of the Rabid Weasel Podcast as well as we get started. All right. Well, that pretty much brings us to the end. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Justin, thanks for doing this with me. I look forward to a couple weeks getting another video out. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to it. All right. We'll stop here. See you next time, everybody.